everybody welcome to the 158th edition of the holy backboard podcast i am dustin here in rip city and i got my man sage chilling here i don't know about you but for whatever reason i feel refreshed ready to talk about blazers basketball no i think you're speaking in my language right now um for whatever reason i think everyone kind of going into like the defeatist camp has reemerged myself and I, I feel like I channeled my energy into some positive just I don't even know but I, I'm like yeah let's go like you have to put everything into into perspective and that's what I've been trying to to talk about on on Twitter because and what really got me thinking about this and I knew about it in the back of my mind but I was looking through my my slack I'm um, at work and I was talking to my 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 buddy who's also a big Blazer fan and I happened to scroll up and I have the receipt. It would be a miracle if we just got out of round one. It would be a major success. And I was like, fuck, we did that in five games. Dame put up a 50 piece, hit the best shot maybe in NBA history. And we're going on the deepest playoff run in 19 years without arguably our most important player. Not best, but maybe most important. So just thinking about that, and it's like, God damn, let's enjoy this ride that we're on. And that's kind of where I've been this whole playoff run. You know, if we lose, obviously I'm upset, but I'm not screaming upset. It's more just like, damn, I wish that's we would have won. Yeah, th- that's a bummer. Like, in almost like half hour later, I'm like, I wish we played tomorrow because I really want to watch Blazer basketball. And that's what I want to get through to our listeners is, look, listen, we've talked about this all season long, especially after the acquisitions of Rodney Hood and Ennis Cantor. This is the only season that these 15 guys will be together as one Blazer basketball team. The 2018-2019 Blazers, this could be it. Thursday night could be their, their final act. Whether it is or whether it isn't, Make sure you're there and you're appreciative. Live mm. in the moment. And I think that's what has really been so fun about the, this but this postseason run is the ability to live in the moment and just enjoy it for what it is. Let's not worry about the offseason. Let's not worry about NERC. Let's just have fun enjoying ar- arguably one, one of my favorite Blazer teams of, of all time, just from a, a personal perspective, how they play together, how – they treat each other, you know, one through 15. It, it all starts with Dame and the culture that, that Terry and Neil have built. We have a really good thing going. And I, I feel like there is some panic in in the in the hearts uh, of Blazer fans because they're thinking, oh, God, you know, Houston forced 2-2 on Golden State. And if they, if they somehow win and we win, we would have had home court advantage in the Western Conference Finals. And then we get to the finals. Pump the brakes. Like, one, let's focus on Denver. They are a very good team, number two seed in the West for a reason. And two, no rotation player is over the age of 30 years old on this roster. This is not going to be our only stop in round two. I I think there's just a tendency to think this is it. This is our one chance. This isn't college athletics where you get guys two or three years and then they're gone. 
we've got Dame under contract. We've got CJ under contract. And Dame's likely going to sign an extension. The root of this team is going to stay here and they are going to move forward. So let's just think of it as the first of many to come. Like the, it does not end here is all I'm trying to say. Just So just enjoy the, these moments. You know, I agree completely and totally with what you're saying. And looking back on it, I don't think I can't go for the written word because I don't know. But I know how much data that we've put in just in the amount of gigs and computer memory. We put in a lot of time talking about this year's Blazers team. We've worked really hard. I mean, like 14 podcasts in like three weeks. It's a lot of work. Part of me is tired, but I really don't want the Blazers season to end tomorrow. But I understand if it does, but I really don't want that shit to end. I would love to continue to keep broadcasting about this current playoff run. But I I don't even really want to talk about the game yesterday. I don't know how you feel. It was kind of shitty. I mean... It, it was, and it, it happened. So I think it we owe it that much to touch on it uh, for at least a, a little, you know, time. Denver handed us our asses, one twenty four to ninety eight. As Dame Lillard said in the post game press conference, we played about as worse as we could, and Denver played about as best as they could. I mean, that was kind of the the story, the Cliff Notes version. And the reason I want to touch on this game is because of what Portland did or didn't do and how it is going to impact Game 6. Terry Stotts, to his credit, did try to adjust. He he saw that Paul Millsap was having an advantage and, and put cancer on him and stuck Aminu on Jokic. I, I thought the idea was there. Portland probably doesn't have a deep enough roster at this point in the season, especially at altitude, to execute it because – we were scrambling a bit on defense like we called for. We picked off a few of their passes. I mean, they were hot, but I saw the effort there, and the Blazers were making it happen on both ends of the court. And as soon as Denver made their run, Portland got cold. And you could tell the the Blazers were starting to get dejected. I mean, they, they were missing bunnies. I mean, Ennis around the rim missed so many easy, easy hooks. Dame was missing from three. CJ couldn't get it going. I mean, really, nobody could could throw it in the ocean, and you kind of knew what the inevitable was. So thankfully, the third quarter came and went, and the Blazers just just rested their their bench. So one blowouts happen, especially in a seven game series. The best Blazer teams of all time have all been blown out. The seventy seven Blazers were blown out. The 2,000 Blazers were blown out against the Lakers in Game 1. The 90 Blazers got blown out every time they played the Spurs on the road. And the 92 Blazers just got destroyed. Everyone remembers the shrug, Michael Jordan, Game 1? Yeah, that happened to one of the greatest Blazer teams of all time. This shit happens. You look at the Celtics-Lakers rivalry. They call it the Memorial Day Massacre for a reason because of what the Celtics did to the Lakers. I mean... It's unrealistic to expect every game in this series to go down to the final attempt. And in a way, I feel like the blowout helped the Blazers. I I think it kind of woke them up a bit. I think losing game four kind of put them into a slumber. I think they were down. And finally, Dame got some rest. He looks visibly and physically tired out there. 
And it's it's not the fact that Denver has played two more games than Portland. It's the fact that as soon as C.J. McCollum went down, Dame had to kick it up another gear. Factor in Yusuf Nurkic going down, and Portland had to play about two to three weeks of basketball with just a basically a survive and advance mentality. Every game was basically for home court advantage. You remember that James Harden's part of the season where he just went outrageous putting up like out astronomical numbers. That's basically what Dame had to do. He had the ball in his hands. He shot as much. He was doing the James Harden thing, except it wasn't as publicized in the media. Basically did what James Harden did when Chris Paul was down. I get it. He had a lot of miles on those legs this, this off season. Well, um, and they have, have Russ and, and, the, and Paul George coming in talking a lot of shit. I don't think the fan base realizes how much energy that took from this roster. An already depleted roster. And I'm not making excuses. I just simply want to state the facts. Because people are stating, and rightfully so, that when we faced the Thunder, there was a fire in our belly. Like, we had an edge because we know we wanted to beat that team so bad. They kind of they kind of stirred the hornet's nest, so to speak. And Denver really hasn't done that as much. You can only run on that type of a chip on your shoulder for so long before reality starts to set in. And Portland finds themselves in a grit and grind type of series. And... If you think it's over, you're delusional because everything changes if Portland wins on Thursday night. There's no more momentum. There is no more. This team has an advantage. It is. We've played six games. Denver, you've won three. Portland, you've won three. We've got a winner take all on Sunday in Denver. That's what it comes down to. So you can't think of it as, oh, my God, we have to beat this Denver team twice. Right now it sounds daunting, but you handle your business at home. Then the pressure shifts to Denver. And then anything happens in a seven. Anything anything happens. Portland has been playing with house money ever since Dame hit that shot. So let's talk about it. We saw Stotts put Cantor on Millsap. And in theory, that shit would work. But in reality, Paul Millsap has made a career out of scoring on taller guys. How do you want to approach defending the two bigs in the in this pivotal game six? I mean, I tweeted it out. So after I saw, I really liked what I saw from Zach and Myers. They didn't shoot efficiently from three, but their shot looked good. And I think they give Portland that threat that, that Ennis just doesn't, especially now that his, he's basically playing w- with one shoulder. I don't think he'll do it because he's loyal to his players, and it is a pretty drastic change. But if I was Terry Stotts, I would start Zach Collins along with Ennis Cantor. And hear me out. I think you have to put Zach Collins on Paul Millsap just because of the length that mm-hmm. he provides. And the defensive IQ that Zach would he, he is a fantastic help side defender. He's nimble. He can help in the pick and roll. The problem with, with Cantor on Millsap is 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 – Millsap brought him out of the paint a bit. And so, yes, we only gave up 10 offensive rebounds, which is a a bonus. It also was because we were giving up so many open looks Mm -hmm. because Denver wasn't missing. And with cancer out of the paint, it's wide open for back cuts. And when you have a a center with the vision of of Jokic, that's a recipe for disaster if if you're, you know, the the, the opposing team. 
So I put Zach on Millsap. I continue to go Cantor on Jokic. I think Ennis has done a game for it. Yeah, he has done just about as good of a job as you can ask. And you really have to get your weak side help from Harkless, from Dame, from CJ. And do what you can to kind of cut off that pick and roll. But to me, the Nuggets kind of have three weapons right now that they're presenting. Jokic. Murray and Millsap Portland can win if one of those guys goes off, but if two or more go off, it's it's not going to happen. And that it seems like Millsap is their X factor when, when he tends to shoot efficiently, like he was and getting those easy baskets, um, everything opens up for them. So I think you, you have to cut him off. Um, and I would like to see Myers get as many minutes as possible. He's not a fantastic defender, by any stretch of the imagination. But he has both of his shoulders, which which Ennis doesn't, and he's got a mass to him that allows him to... Jokic can't uh, body him. Jokic cannot body him. Um, I, honestly, and then I... And probably, the, those fresh-ass legs, too. Yeah, and I honestly, I probably switch... Um, Zach Collins onto can for or Zach Collins onto Jokic for a couple possessions. I think you need to give them different looks. Um, Chief can come in and play off of the bench. To me, I think the Blazers are. I mean, we're we're seeing basically the product of the previous three seasons of the uh, of the playoffs, where we're relying on a lot of Harkless and a lot of Aminu, and. It worked against Oklahoma City because Jeremy Grant wasn't punishing Aminu on the other end of the floor, so you can kind of take that as a push. But when they have such a significant advantage, I think Portland has to pick and choose Harkless or Aminu, and I think Harkless has been our best defender this series. Bring in Chief off of the bench. Maybe he can help right that that, that ship. Um, So I got a few questions. How do you do? You think Al Farouk would respond well to being off the bench? I think any player would respond well right now. Like this, that's that's the beauty of this team. The culture is there. There's no person is bigger than the team. Everyone is willing to sacrifice. I mean, God, you've got Harkless out there on one leg, Ennis out there using one shoulder. Um, they are really putting their heart and soul on onto this 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 playoff run. I know last night may have not looked like it, but I think they saw the writing on the wall and said, hey, we better just um, regroup and, and look, fight for another day because today wasn't it. So let's not waste any more energy. So I think – now I know I'm going off on a little bit of a tangent, but I want to address this as well because I think a lot of people thought Portland mailed it in uh, in Game 5, and I can understand how that can be perceived. If that was a Game 7, I don't think you would have seen that, but – knowing there was game six on Thursday and we're not getting more than a day off of rest. You can kind of tell when, when a game is a lost cause. And I think Portland did the smart thing. They pulled the plug at the right time. Absolutely. So when you said start Zach, it kind of got me thinking how beneficial starting in the playoffs and then doing well would do for Zach Collins confidence going into next year. If, If he, is successful in just stopping a guy that has been a thorn in our side for the entire year. How beneficial do you think that would be in his confidence coming into the next season? I mean, it's huge because when Portland drafted Zach Collins, 
you don't take a kid number 10 and just keep him on the bench his whole career. Like, you're grooming him to become a starter. Al Camino is a free agent. Do I expect them to bring him back? Absolutely. However, you have to be grooming this kid to be the next star in the starting lineup. Yeah, well, Al Farouk's not a young man. Like, these are some of his last good years. So, Zach doesn't have that that cushion of, well, Chief is the starter. No, Zach probably should be thinking about... if not starting, humongous minutes off the bench. He's in his third year. That's kind of when it's kind of when you're like, okay, I gotta put up or shut up. His contract's gonna be up if he doesn't show that he can be a legitimate good player all the most of the time. It's bad for his wallet. It's bad for his NBA career. Like he needs to. Make take a really good step forward and show some productivity. And I think having the confidence of his coach trusting him in a pivotal pivotal game will be huge for that. And I think he's really played well. I don't this 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 playoff series for him or both series actually have done like I've seen some really great things from Zach Collins. Some people don't understand it, but like I see what he's doing, especially defensively, and I think it's genius. He knows how to play verticality, even though the refs don't see it. I see how he's vertical on those defensive stops. Like he's really good defensively, so I think putting him on someone who has been killing us is a really good move. I like that, and I definitely do see Myers as a he needs to have an impact in this game. I mean, like you can't. You can't sag off of him from three. You just can't, especially in Portland where he's used to those rims. So it gives added driving lanes to Damon CJ. If Myers sets a pick and pop, you're going to actually have to defend him. Whereas Zach Collins hasn't proved that he can hit threes consistently. Myers has. And I I like both of those moves. I think it would be big for both of them to get some real minutes. Yeah, and you know, watching game five... I saw a Blazer team desperate, but the wrong kind of desperate. Usually when you talk about a desperate team, you're talking about, you know, diving for loose balls, never say die, you know, out hustling. They play desperate in the sense of we need to hit every three. Type yeah, of. almost like a gambler when, when you, oh, shit, I'm down 20 bucks. OK, double or nothing. Oh, shit, I can get it back this time. You don't you keep digging yourself a hole. I saw Portland doing that multiple times in the second quarter when it was one, one shot, one, three fast break, three, like just letting Denver off the hook, trying to get it all back at once. They're trying to go for that grand slam instead of sometimes just draw the walk, Mm -hmm. make them play defense. And Portland has weapons. They still don't have an answer for Rodney hood. Myers. I said he shot poorly shot three of six from three. That's 50%. You take that any damn day of the week. It's not all about Damian Lillard having a transcendent game. I think we need to get over that. It's the likelihood of Dame going off for 50 right now, I think is pretty slim. And I, if it comes to that, that would be great that he did it. But again, that's not sustainable. The Blazers play their best when everyone gets involved and when they move the ball around and 
That's not to say that Dame doesn't need to pick and choose his spots because, to me, that's also when Dame is at his best. Mm-hmm. When you look back at the Oklahoma City series, when he's like, okay, now I'm going to eat, and he goes down and shoots three or four times in a row and just gets buckets. Because what happens when we're able to get a Rodney going or a Harkless going or even Ennis, it softens up that defense, and then Dame's able to attack. Right now, Dame is driving into three big quadruple dudes. coverage. Mm-hmm. And yes, there are points in time in the game where he's able to to beat it and get get there for a layup i i think if the blazers are to win this game they have to get help it cannot just be damon cj going iso that takes so much out of them so a lot of it's on terry stotts and a lot of it's also on, on damian lillard I, I think the pressure is on damian lillard to call the perfect game almost like a catcher so he's like okay I want you to throw the fastball here, the curveball there. Like Dame needs to really know when it's time to go for himself and when you're going to give it up and who you're going to give it up to. So he has the capability to do that. I fully expect Dame to ball out. Like I am, I know some people are upset with, with how he's played. I'm personally not given the extra responsibility he's being given. Um, I do wish he would shoot better from three, but you know, that's that's the whole you live by the three, die by the three. He, we were living by it. No, KC. And now now we're dying by it right now. But it doesn't it doesn't mean it can't come back. Shooting three pointers is pretty difficult. I mean, even the best people are like a 40 percent three point shooter. So yeah. so he, he went from elite to. Average. Yeah. Well, and also. Also, factor in that he's not taking regulation threes most of the time. Because of the defense, he's having to pull up a few feet from behind the arc. And given his skill set, that is a, a that is considered a, a makeable shot. But you're still shooting from 30 feet away. With a big guy in front of you and a guy, smaller guy on your back. Yeah, so for me, I want to see Dame aggressive. Not in the sense that he's shooting 30 times, but let's see if he can get to the rim. Let's see if we can get get them in foul trouble. And then let's find our matchups. Like, Rodney Hood's having too good of a series to not put up double-digit field goal attempts. Like, second unit, run the offense through Rodney. Run the offense through Seth. Let's get these guys some some buckets because we're going to— Those are our two weapons in the bench. I mean, that's just—every time we beat Denver in this series— it has been a team effort. Mm-hmm. I mean, like Rodney and if we're running out bench units, I think it, we really should try and focus on Rodney and Seth because they are two capable scorers. And any time, any, any points that Rodney and Seth get are points that Dame and CJ aren't responsible for, you know, like they're responsible for a lot. They're responsible for about 65, 70% of our usage. If we can get Seth and Rodney to have good games, it lessens the load for those two players. So anything we can do to manufacture points, I think we will. I mean, it, it's not t- this game isn't a time to hold anything back. So if there's a strategy that you think it's going to be good for us, use it. It it makes no difference if. In a few weeks, you say, well, I did have this strategy, but I was too scared to go with it. Go big or go home type of shit. So if there's something Stotts or one of his coaches has that could work, I think that it is a perfect time to throw it out there and see what sticks. Because there isn't a game 
to go back to unless we get this dub. Portland is facing literally their first must-win game of the season. Mm-hmm. It, it's win or go home. It could be your last home playoff game. I expect the fans to give them all of the boost they need. Um, you you really just yeah. There's there's all the cliches in the world. You just have to lay it out all on the line. Like you have to go go all in. I do think Dame is going to have to shoot more, but I also think a product of him shooting more is those easy rebound putbacks that I think we could exploit just because Dame draws so much attention. You even like we said he gets quadruple teamed when he drives. Well, it's not like those people can go back into rebounding position. It, it it's going to be a good test on multiple fronts to see can Stotts adjust, can Dame and CJ and trust their teammates in a big game. Like it, it, this is going to be a big test for everybody on this team. Damn near every basketball person is going to be watching them play tomorrow. It's a big test for everybody. So what do you think? What are those X factors that we need to get this win? Also, if you see a Blazers hat that's uh, size 8, cop it for me. And I will pay PayPal you. Cool. I was I was gonna text you that earlier, then I was like, I better look on the internet. Oh no, there isn't any size. There, it's all normal people head sizes. And then it's like the big, the big and tall version of hats. You can tell they're big and tall, like the fucking logos, the size of the goddamn hat. And I'm like, I don't want that. Let's just see if you can find, you know, a real fashionable hat for me, and I'll fit it. Yeah. Well, I can't fit snaps. Jesus, you can't fit. God, you got. Head the size of Saturn over there. Well, yeah, that's why. What we're keeping all of this in. I don't care anymore. Oh yeah, good. I'm just roasting you. It's all good. I got small ass heads. So. I know you can wear the same hat you wore as a child, bro. <laughs> anyway, uh, X factors. <laughs> a few of them. A fast fucking start. Can we get off to a good start for once? Uh, even in game four. I know we took a six-point lead into half, but Denver really kind of controlled the majority of the the first eight minutes of that first quarter, and the crowd is going to be hyped. Like we have to give them a reason to to get involved, um, even more so. And I think you have to put a little bit of doubt in, in Denver's mind because Denver keeping even at arm's length, their confidence stays up because they know they can make a push at any moment in the second half. So a fast start. I would love to see the Blazers up ten. After the first quarter, three point shooting, um, 10 of 37 in, in game five, 27%. That's not going to get it done. I mentioned on the podcast, uh, prior, we started out seven of 10, but then I think we ended up going, uh, five of 18 the rest of the way. This team has too many good shooters to shoot that poorly, especially at home. I, I am finding a, I'm finding a, I'm not finding a scenario where the Blazers win and shoot sub 30% from three. That doesn't really add up to a Blazer victory. And last but not least, you've got to make your free throws. Channel Bill Shonley and take advantage of the charity stripe. Portland got to the line 30 damn times. 
We made 16. This is the best free throw shooting team in the entire NBA. And what worries me, not that they're a bad free throw shooting team, is that usually when you miss free throws, it's from a lack of focus. And when when are you not focused? When you're tired. I think the Blazers are mentally gassed. Mm -hmm. So hopefully they recharge their batteries because none of them really had to play a lot of minutes. And the home rims will be a little bit more friendlier. But make no mistake about it. Portland has to be damn near perfect at that foul line. It's been hard enough scoring without Nurkic in this series. Leaving points on the board at that charity stripe is just a killer. So they have got to shoot as a team higher than 85%. What do you, what do you think about their shot selection when they are shooting threes? Cause I see them take some three point shots that are like heavily contested and they just take them. What about, you know, the nuggets are going to press really hard on those shots. What about a, like a dribble pull up and like, I could see Rodney Hood taking the Reggie Miller one-step pull-up all game and generate some better shots than a highly contested three-point shot. I, I I know that game five was tough, but I think that they could easily generate better shots by, like, the step-back's dope, and you people get hyped when they, like, someone flies by, they step back and hit a three, but sometimes that... Just a dribble pull-up. I mean, it gets the confidence going. It's an easier shot. And then it gives them the confidence to pull the three. I don't know. I just see a lot of shitty shots, shitty contested shots that we took in the last few games. Yeah, I mean, I really realistically only trust four Blazers to do what you're asking. Dame, CJ, Seth, and Rodney. Yeah. So, Well, that's who I was basically talking yeah. about. Um, to me, I think the problem, not necessarily with the threes, but... On the pick and roll, if they are sending two, so it's a five-on-five game. If they send two defenders against our one, that means we have have a four-on-three advantage somewhere. Yeah, We lose a lot when Pat Connaughton left, and we lost a lot when Jake Lehman's confidence kind of fell off the face of the earth. We don't have a slasher right now with Mo Harkless being being dinged up. Somebody has got to come to the ball or make a cut – and when they get it, and I saw this in game five, we get the ball like seven feet from the hoop off of a pass, and we don't know what to do with it. Like, we have to. Yeah, we have to just get the ball and put it in the basket. Go to the. Use the window. You mentioned three on four and four on three. Transition defense is a big thing. We got eight up on transition buckets. So I think we really need to, on the defensive side, focus in transition and make it a four-on-four fast break as a instead of a three-on-four fast break. Yeah, to me, that's all about effort. And I would say that's where the Blazers were, were lacking in um, Game 5. I think they they got defeated. Um, it does happen. It's a, it's a seven-game series, so I wouldn't be... I wouldn't be too concerned. Now, if it happens in Game Six at home, that's that's a bigger question. But I, I don't think the Blazers will go out like that. Um, to me, Game Five was the outlier, and hopefully they they realize okay, we we really have to put everything into this because it's the last one that's left, possibly. Mm-hmm. So, 
What's your predictions? And do you think you're in for a stomach churning night tomorrow night? Yeah, I mean, I can say get off to a fast start, but I don't think it's going to happen. Not the way this series has has played out. I think it's going to be back and forth. Uh, unfortunately, I do think Denver does get the victory in game six. For whatever reason, that game four defeat seems like it took a lot out of us and whatever fumes we were running on kind of started to uh, evaporate. I think we're going to put up a hell of a fight, and I would love to be wrong, but I'm not going to think any less of the team if they if they lose to this Nuggets team. I want to keep this shit rolling. Um, one, I don't know if this is a goal, but like, I don't want the refs to be part of the story at all. Like, no. I know it's a big ask. I mean, I would, I would love that. And to your point about the officiating, for all of you conspiracy theorists out there, if there's any time for the Blazers to get a couple of calls... It will be in game six because the NBA has on deck a potential monster Sunday with three game sevens that could align Houston, Golden State, Toronto, Philadelphia, Portland, Denver. So just throwing that out there. Um, I would love to be completely wrong about my prediction, but regardless of the outcome, it's been a magical season and and we'll be on to talk about it. I mean, this, this is a big, this summer's huge for, for the franchise so we're gonna be here quite a bit talking about it there's a lot of things we can talk about the draft the the summer league free agency trades like there's a lot of things that need to be discussed and i feel like we are the ones to do it so we are available on itunes stitcher uh google play himalaya podcast dash radio if you fuck with us leave us a dope uh, a good comment positive review five star us sub all that good shit we will be back after after game six to discuss the the blazers game winner but yeah thank you so much for rocking with us it's been a pretty awesome playoffs and i hope it lasts longer so uh peace out and we'll, we'll be back with you later wherever you may be this is bill shinley good night Everybody, let's go! Let's go.